Hey everybody, welcome to season two, episode 25 of Belgariad and Beyond, the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter. And we've begun with the Belgariad series of books by David Eddings. This season we're reading book two, Queen of Sorcery, and today we're diving into chapter 24. I almost said 25. <laughs> uh, my name is Sandra Turnbull. I'm from the Goddess Kindled Universe. Uh, I'm a writer and a teacher. And I'm here with my podcast partner. Hey guys, I'm Alicia Seymour. I am also a writer and author and story guide. And I'm excited to get into this chapter and to talk about our weeks because I think we both have some good stories to share. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, with that, <laughs> let's just get right into Pogar's Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was realizing as we began the show, like, shoot, I forgot to ask Sandra how she was feeling because I heard, you know, a couple of days ago you weren't feeling very well. No, it felt like I got smashed in the face with a big bag of rocks. <laughs> yeah. That's not fun. So you go first, huh? <laughs> or shall I just continue on from the bag of rocks comment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why don't why don't you? Okay. So how you're doing. So this week my potion is lukewarm turmeric and ginger spiced tea. Um, because this week I was back at the dentist and had I mentioned that I had a little irritation on because you, you all know that I got my tooth out. I did talk about that. Okay, yeah. so as the inflammation went down on the front of my jaw there, on the inside of my mouth, in front of the place where the, there is now no tooth, there was a little, like, a very hard sort of extrusion. Like, extrusion? Is that, a, is that even a thing? It was a, a, basically <laughs> what I thought might have been a piece of bone poking. Ouch out into my gum and mm -hmm. the more I thought about it like I'm like oh no no it'll go away it's just a bit of inflammation or something and it didn't and it was just this one hard piece and I thought oh shit that's a bit of bone that's been pushed loose when they've done the extraction and I had to go back to the I was scheduled to go back to the dentist to get another tooth on the other side of the bottom of my jaw prepped for a new crown and so I've turned up at the dentist and said to him, look, I think there's a piece of bone that's like, and he's like, let me have a look. And he said, yep, you're right. It's a piece of bone. Ouch. So I swear to God. So look, my bottom jaw is completely filled with like needles here and needles there. And so I've got this big fat lip going on. And he got this pair of tweezers. Are you, do you get squeamish? Like, am I making you feel sick? No, I'm, I'm not sick right now. So you got this. I'm just visualizing. Well, okay, well, just don't visualize too hard because here it comes. He got this pair of tweezers. Like, seriously, this dude's pretty strong. And he's like, I'm like, okay, there's no pain. There's just like this pressure because, you know, mm -hmm. I'm full of anesthetic. Yeah. He got the, and I do not know. I still don't know if he pulled a piece of bone out or he pushed it back in with the tweezers because he seriously had this pair of tweezers in my jawbone doing something in my jawbone. Oh my God. I'm like, my, I'm in the chair going, oh my God, what, pushing me back and forth. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And then, so I'm like, oh, and a bit of shock from all of that. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he started on the other side and there's like anesthetic going in here and then he's you know because they have to drill the underneath tooth down to like a little nubby thing and i'm getting scanned and looking at my ugly teeth on the 3d scan it's just disgusting i hate it and you know then they put the other the the temporary crown on i've got to go back in a couple of weeks get the new one and he said he said are you okay he's so he's so lovely he's like yeah okay okay i'm like yep yep he said now you might have a bit of irritation (laughs) yeah and here like on each side you might have a bit of irritation for a couple of days but then you'll be okay <laughs> okay yeah you think so <laughs> okay i came home with a long sit on the sofa i said oh god i think this might be what it feels like to get punched in the face a couple of times i don't know i've never been punched in the face but i think it might feel something like this <laughs> i was just saying that the other day that's so funny i'd never been punched in the face but then I thought I know what it felt like. Oh my God. So, so I'm not too bad today. Like I'm not aching so much, but oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to go. Uh, Ouch. Yeah. I know I was supposed to do my, my cleaning tomorrow at the dentist, but I already uh, scheduled it because, not because I'm avoiding, but because I'm, <laughs> I'm stressed out. <laughs> I'm not avoiding. I'm not avoiding. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm especially glad that I did because I would not want to go after hearing that story. <laughs> oh, see, no, you don't use me for your procrastination plots. No, well, I already rescheduled it, so it was, it was already done. I must admit, but, I'm. I have a. I have a cleaning schedule for the third of March or something. And the last, mm-hmm. the person I went to last time, I really don't want to go back and see her. I want the other dental hygienist. <laughs> yeah, there's certain people who are just not made for that kind of a craft. <laughs> so that's my week. And if I drink tea that's too hot, I get pain in the gap, in yeah. the jaw around my gap. Because yeah. I've got a hole in the front and a hole in the top now, which is great. Mm-hmm. Right into the jawbone. That's just fantastic. <laughs> and that's going to heal and close up, right? Yeah, but it takes months and months. Okay. So I actually, you're not always going to have a hole in your jawbone, right? No, no. It, it's the, it, it heals across, like it forms a, like a bridge, but it does take months to do that. Um, but I actually wonder whether I can be classified as having a fractured jaw now because of all of this... <laughs> Know, with the tweezers and having the bone poking out of my jaw Ouch. yeah i don't know that's that's painful yes. you should ask when you go back say hey by the way did you pull <laughs> it out or push it back in <laughs> just 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 so i know <laughs> like am i missing a, a bone in my jaw or what? <laughs> i don't know i don't know don't know just i'm healing beautifully giving myself reiki it's great. Yeah. Yep. I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Me too. So now I've talked okay. for 10 minutes about my tooth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was traumatic, I'm sure. Yeah, it was a bit so, of a shock. Yeah. Go, your turn. What's in your potion? I, I couldn't think of my mind was very scattered right now, but I couldn't think of a drink that was cleansing. But I just put some things in my cup that's going to allow for a deep cleanse because that's kind of what I've gone through mm-hmm. this last 
actually just the last couple of days, um, like embracing the highs of life. Like last last week was a huge high, right, for me. And then I also though know that with the highs come lows. It's just the way it goes. And Monday I hit a really really deep dark low that was a little scary. I've only had a few of those in my life, and and they've all been recent, like within the last year. And I know it's part of my like spiritual growth and, and, and journey and stuff, but they get me like hard where it's like my chest physically hurts. I feel like I can't breathe very well. I feel like I like, there's no point to doing anything or being anything. And I just want to like disappear kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was there on Monday. Thankfully I had a friend who, I ended up texting. Um, I knew you weren't feeling well, so I'm like, I'm just gonna not even, you know, drag you into that. But um, she ended up calling me after she read my text, and it was like the perfect time because it was, I was just bawling at, and I answered the phone like, "Hello," which is like, I just got your message. Are you okay? And I was like, "No, I'm not okay." <laughs> so I just like poured everything out which always helps. And, Mm -hmm. um, she was able to help me with a few things. Um, and what happened though, is, is it just continued. It wasn't as intense, but all day Monday, it continued though. It started to get less and less as the evening came. And I woke up on Tuesday, I went to sleep on Monday night, just like meditating on, you know, I am healed. I am perfect health telling myself that as I fell asleep and I woke up and I felt, you know, like they say with every, after every contraction, there's an expansion. And that was the first time I could actually feel, I felt myself expanded that morning. I was like, I was seeing everything like really vividly mm-hmm. and everything felt so peaceful. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, what well, that, and then I'm just like, why? Why do I have to go through this stuff? I'm like, um, but I understand it's like that's all this spiritual idea. Of like, it, it a part of me was dying that day. That's why mm-hmm. I felt like I wanted to yep. die because yep. I was dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it it was the false self dying, not really me dying. And so, and and it, and and that that happens like that's a cycle. That's yeah. not a, like a one and done thing. That's I know. <laughs> I know. Like I said, it's happened a few times already, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is why I knew that I felt like I wanted to die, but I knew I would never actually do anything about that because I knew yeah. I'd gone through this before and it would pass. Yeah. So I just had to breathe through it. Yeah. So I did. And it's all good now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. The sense of desolation that settles mm-hmm. in as you're as you're making that and that's why it's so scary to let go really deeply because you empty out and you create this lovely beautiful beautiful void that then can bring in the new whatever it is that's coming Yeah. yeah that's true and i think the work we've been doing through that course that you're running to Mm -hmm. has been part of that Totally. That's stuff. Every time I do that kind of work, I feel like a complete peace. Yeah. But then it's just like there'll be one little 
trigger in my external world all of a sudden that just goes bang and I go just falling into the (laughs) it's uncanny how we get to practice the lessons in real life it's like it's Mm -hmm. like things just seem to fucking well line up go yep here you go here's your practical for the day Mm -hmm. get a load of this one yeah yeah Yeah. it's you know spiritual work is quite physical as it turns out (laughs) it does like your your physical body will tell you too like I was just listening to a podcast today and the guy was talking about how his body is having a physical reaction because he's he needs to expand and he hasn't done what he's he's known he's had to do so his body's physically reacting to be like dude get on this or you're about to get real sick yeah (laughs) so he's like I'm gonna go start working on myself today And that's what happens when you hang on to the thing that needs to go mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. having this flow where you empty out, create the void, the new comes in, you stagnate. And that's, that's where sickness comes in. That's where disease comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So I went through all that and I think a lot of it was contributed by the week I knew that was coming. Not all of it, but a lot of it because, um, we have Girl Scout camp coming up this weekend. And so I knew I had a lot to get done that was gonna um, impede on my creative work. And uh, I think that was just a small contribution to what happened, but it definitely added to it. Um, I'm gonna it wasn't say, a trigger. I'm gonna say something. Yeah. Your Girl Scout work is very creative work. I know. Stop separating I, yourself into pieces. <laughs> yeah, I know. I <laughs> I just, I, I have these ideas that I know are just ideas that I make up, but of like, I want to write and I want to work on my business because I like doing that stuff. And then Every, Girl Scouts comes in and I'm like, yeah. no, I want to work on this stuff, yeah. not on Girl Scouts. <laughs> Every single thing you do is creative work. Mm-hmm. all the time yeah. all the time yeah yep just like every everything that you go through is for your growth and for absolutely your consciousness i don't care out. how corny it sounds the universe is conspiring in your favor every single moment mm-hmm. yeah i was just i just put a post up about that the universe and how it worked in my life um but yeah that's that's been my week so mm-hmm. we'll see how girl scout camp goes hell of a hell of a hell, hell of a potion yeah yeah for a potion that you couldn't actually <laughs> work out what was in your potion no i just know i was cleansed i cleansed spiritually physically <laughs> you know after Sounds the spiritual like- Sounds like a loaded Bloody Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've never had a Bloody Mary, so I'm not sure. With the celery stick just choking you a little bit. (laughs) I never saw the appeal of a celery stick and an alcoholic drink. It's the stirrer. It's a little bit of flavor. It's because the drink is tomato juice based. Mm -hmm. It's like a savory thing. Mm. Yes. 
This doesn't sound good to me. Okay. <laughs> it's been a very long time since I had a tomato juice. Yeah, I don't like it. Okay. What's next? Garion's View. Tell us about the chapter. Mm. Yeah, this was a, like, uh, it's kind of along the lines of the last chapter that was really political. This one's not political, really, but I just still kind of had the same apathy towards it. Anyways, so they get to the shores, I guess it was like the shoreline of Naisa, is it? Is that right? They they meet, um, is he a Drasnian merchant? I couldn't remember. Okay, so they go well, to his- yep. you, you say what you think and then we'll talk about it. Okay, so they go meet this guy, uh, I forget exactly why they're going to talk to him but he he ends up telling them that um mr he, when he learns out who paul garrett really is and he tells him that tells her that wolf and silk haven't sent any word he hasn't seen them and so it's kind of like just the conversation between this this drasnian guy and then and paul and dernick and them and they get to see a little bit of what this these people look like and how they operate and then they decide that they'll stay on their ship until they hear from wolf and um hopefully nothing bad will happen but i don't think that's the case yep that's about it so it doesn't sound very interesting but you know it's pretty it's this chapter is it was interesting the first this is the first time i've really slowed down and read all the description, all the prose, and really sort of let the narrative unfold rather than racing through it. And I really enjoyed it. I, I really like the first part of the chapter when they're they're just first driving in. I say mm -hmm. driving, but you know. Oh, they're on a ship. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I loved his description, mm. the author's descriptions of the setting around them yep so what did you like about it it was just really colorful like i could vividly see and and feel it too like i could feel the ickiness of what it must be like to be right there the mm -hmm. mosquitoes and the heat and the smells and the uh the 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 way the foliage or plant life is growing looks all distorted and stuff you know but i can imagine it being different, not even like natural colors that we're used to. Like they'd be all different shades of weird, yeah, ugly things, you know? Yeah, like vivid fluorescents and mm -hmm. yeah, like yeah, poison green kind of colors and yeah, like rotten orange. <laughs> yeah, all those really bright like and rancid, um, electric, electric kind of. But I, the, my favorite part of the description is this little piece, the delta, because they're, so they're sailing up a river. So they've come in mm -hmm. from the ocean. They're sailing up the river of the serpent towards the city of Sistor. And so this river has lots of different little tributaries feeding into it. And it's like a delta. So a delta is full of like mud and it's sort of sluggish and, that's what yeah. a delta is. <laughs> and so this is my favorite part. 
The delta steamed and stank beneath a sun that did not burn so much as boil. Each breath seemed to be half water. So, and, and I really, I understand that description. I was, I'm a Queens, I'm born in Queensland. Mm-hmm. And so if you've ever been in North Queensland on a summer day, and it doesn't even have to be a summer, but on a summer day where you walk out of like an air-conditioned space into the moist heat, that is what it feels like. It feels like you're breathing water and everything just kind of like you go up in a pile of steam it's ridiculous mm-hmm. yeah it seems like it would be difficult to function doing anything oh it like is that. you just don't want to do anything you just want to like sit in the air conditioning um but anyway but the and the the description goes on so beautifully like the way that he he comes in and all of a sudden you get into the, like the, the trees get taller, like huger and the, the ropey vines and the moss hanging down and sort of t- this jungle towering over them on the sides of the river. I really got it. Like I was, I could, I could, I was there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that it was um, really well done. You know, the, I like where he heard he's saying the shaggy tatters of grayish moss descended in hundred foot long streamers from the trees. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that coloring where you're just kind of like moss is green and it's not gray, you yeah. know, and that's where you just start to wonder like what what's going on with this place? It's obviously infected with like that is exactly what it feels like. It feels infected, like nothing is uh there's no it's it's a sick place like there's something infected is such a good word yep mm-hmm. yeah so the the men are like Hetar and Mandarellen are like observing how unpleasant the place is as they're passing through it insects everywhere and everyone's hot and their shirts off and just insect bites everywhere yeah he says they're covered in angry welts it's like ouch oh, i've seen my my daughter is so allergy sensitive if she gets a mosquito bite she welts up like it's like this on her little arm really like egg sized mm-hmm. oh poor so that's darling. what i'm yeah i was imagining like hundreds of those on somebody's body i'm just like ouch mm-hmm. that's painful wow oh. and what did you think of the leech yeah the leech that's like bigger than normal and and sucking on somebody's hand no i didn't get there it it crawled up the oar one of the oars like because they've got to row up the river because there's no air anywhere it's just hot and stinky so they're rowing up this river and a leech climbed up his oar and it's like a foot long a foot long leech that's a big freaking leech yeah do you think that's a real thing probably do i need to find a photo for the show notes of a foot long leech now <laughs> i bet you could find it i bet i could challenge like accepted Amazon or something challenge accepted <laughs> yeah so that leech i can imagine was pretty terrifying <laughs> yeah mm. 
And then we find out that Sinidra's not doing too well with this weather shift and the, you know, Aunt Paul's yep. caring for her underneath. So yeah. I'm not sure. Down in the know, cabin. Don't really hear much more than that. But no, well, just so I think that she's been fairly protected. Like she's led a pretty protected life, Sinidra. Pretty very pleasant. No extremes, I imagine you know, protected and comfortable her whole life. Like these are the first kinds of discomforts she's ever had to experience in her whole life. And so I can imagine like for her, she's been through this series of shocks and traumas and clay men and, you know, people being burned to death and sorcerer by sorcery and, and almost being killed by soldiers who should be loyal to her and, and now this, you know, the, the, this physical onslaught by the environment, I mean, I can imagine she must have, like, she'd already be pretty emotionally exhausted coming into this heat. Yeah, <laughs> I can say I probably wouldn't, my body wouldn't react too well to it either. So I understand that. I, you know, it's a lot to deal with if for anybody, really. I mean, I'm surprised not all of them haven't collapsed. <laughs> Oh, hang on, sorry. Sorry, I forgot I could mute my microphone there. <laughs> Whenever I mute my microphone okay. to cough, it gives me a little message to say your microphone is muted. Press yeah, I know. Da 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 <laughs> to unmute your microphone. No, no, dude, I'm coughing. It needs to be muted. <laughs> yeah, I know. I get that too. My dog's barking. Are the airplanes flying over? <laughs> yes. <You know? laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I went. That's a we don't need to talk about that anyway. So, um, so I like hey, go. I was just gonna say, I like that the next exchange between Aunt Paul and Garion. Yeah, go on, <laughs> go ahead. Um, because he asks her if she can do like, can she do something about this? She's but like, he, about what? But he doesn't ask her, he asks oh, her, right? In the mind, yeah. yes, like, so her. yeah, he thinks at her, yeah, he thinks at her. So it, it's funny because he wants her to do something about it. And she's just like, what do you want me to do? And he wants her to drive the bugs off if nothing else. And she tells him, well, why don't you do it yourself? Belgarion, she calls him Belgarion again. Um, and so I think this upsets him. And he's just like, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, and so she's like, it... it <laughs> She tells him it's really not that hard. So she's basically telling him that she could do it if she wanted to, because it's not hard, but she's telling him, well, if you really want it to stop, you can do it. And isn't that the way though, with like, if you have a teacher or a mentor, the, the, the point is not that the teacher does it for you. The teacher mm -hmm. shows you the way and then leaves you to work out how you're going to do it for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> But he but feels funny. He, sorry, keep going. No, I was just saying it's funny for a teenager's perspective because most teenagers do not operate in that, like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. They all want, like, you do it for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, it. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> this is not an unusual scenario. It's very believable. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. there's the added, like, he feels really pouty, like, teenage pouty. And yes, I understand all of the reasons why. Mm -hmm. But it's like, 
like I try to I try to feel for him, but I'm like a like oh, just snap out of it, dude. Mm-hmm. You've done this thing. Get a grip on yourself, and just start. You know. Anyway, but he's so, stuck. So in, he's stuck in his. Yeah, he's just so stubborn at the moment. Yeah, I could also see like because he's only used his magic like that once. And no, it was to do... that's not true. But I mean, at that extreme level, he with purpose were... on purpose deliberately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could see where he might kind of be like, "Come on, I like I just I've just figured out that I've got this. Now you want me to just change the weather because I want to." Like I could see yeah, that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see where you're going. Yeah, I'm such he a liberal. Pouty, but. <laughs> Truly, I'm such a liberal because I'm like, yeah, I can totally see Gary's point of view. And then I'm like, yeah, he's being pouty. And then I can totally see Polgar's point of view. Mm-hmm. And I can totally see why, you know, yeah, he's had an awakening, but it was very traumatic on a number of <laughs> levels. Right. And she's not really telling him how to do anything. I know. That's, that's where I would be like, like, Give me a little bit of a hint. What am I supposed to do to like initiate this but change in the weather? To be fair, he doesn't ask how. He just says he's not going to. Uh-huh. She doesn't not say this is how you can do it. Right. He does not want to. It- and so she just walks away. Yeah. So maybe if he had asked, she probably would have told him. I think so. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So this is where I started, this, this chapter started losing me a little bit. It was after all that interaction okay. because then they start going to like okay. customs and check in and. All right. Would you like me to so, take over for a little bit or do you want to? Yeah, you can. I wanted to know who is it that gets off? Do we know exactly? It's it's Aunt Paul, Dernick and Garion that get off the ship. And Grilltick. Grilltick. Okay. And Barrack. So and they finally get up to this tour. And I love the description. Like, I've never noticed this before. Like, never really allowed myself the time to get into the description of the city. Um, and so I've never really, like, the picture I've had in my head for all these years is not the picture that the author described for me. The picture um, I had was like, almost Aztec-y with brown stone and vines over the stones and that sort of stuff. But this feels really, and he uses the descriptor alien. The city seems alien. It's black stone and weird spires and strange, you know, domes and terraces and wharves and jetties. And it just, and like the, all the buildings are like low, the buildings and houses are low, built of black stone and hardly any windows. And so it's just so different to this picture that I've had in my head mm-hmm. for decades. I found that really interesting and it really uh, made sense. So I kind of could, could, could marry that to the people that I know, that like the nuisance and the way that they are and their culture. And it f- 
just was like, oh, wow, like a whole new slice of story that I've totally missed, feels like. So I really enjoyed that. They have to go, they have to stop at customs. And Dernick gets bent out of shape again because they um, bribe, mm. there's a bribe. Um, but um, Hetar's sort of like, yeah, well, I'm happy, just happy to pay them because we've got the horses on board. So I don't know, there must be something about that because this horse, they're supposed to be delivering goods for Radic of Boktor, mm-hmm. who is silk, but of mm-hmm. course they've got horses <laughs> and stuff on board. <laughs> And so then they, they do that and then they say, okay, they've got to go down to the, uh, where is it? After they've been through customs, they go and tie up at the wharf and the guard there gets into a bit of a barney with um, Captain Grildick, telling him he can't tie up there because it's a Drasnian wharf. And Grildick eventually says, look, I'm carrying goods for a Drasnian and it all settles down. And you can imagine it's so hot. Everyone's just kind of narky and like, <laughs> picking yeah, fights. Yeah, then it comes down to really, but if it came down to like really fighting somebody, I think too, everyone would be like, it's not worth it. Just, it's just too hot. <laughs> it's just too hot. Yeah. But um, I did I, like, like the part, like how the name that Silk's created or that character he's created, yeah. Octor has so much sway like all I have to do is say we're just carrying goods for him and then they're like oh well why don't you just say so mm, yeah exactly so he's got a, a worldwide reputation Radic of Boktor and it's a and it's a good name like he's made a good name for himself under this persona and so once the guards carry you know calm down he tells them that they want to go and see Drobleck um, who's in charge of the Drasnian enclave of the wolf Mm. so it sounds like it's like there might there are separate wharves for the different traders maybe different countries Mm -hmm. so you tie up to a Dresden wharf and when you disembark you go into an enclave which is a Dresden enclave and so that another thing I noticed here is when they go up into like head towards Droblex place He's the one they want to give their official papers to or whatever. All the stores are Dresnian. And I've never noticed that before. So it, that seems to be what the setup is. Okay. Um, so Aunt Paul decides she'd better come along and just says, look, leave the girl alone. She's asleep. So Grildick leads them, leads Polgara, Dernick, Barak and Garion off into the enclave to meet Drobleck. Drobleck the Drasnian. So on the way there, they run into some Nersons. Um, so I'd like to get your impression of Nersons and the way they behave and appear, that sort of thing. So, okay. You're talking, are you talking about the women that they see or? Well, both. Like- Just all the, all the Nersons that they see. Um, well, I mean, there's the, the piece with the, um, where they see the Nasons have, like, prisoners. That's important, someone. actually. Yeah, and so they look, like, just the way they're treating them. 
make like Mandarellen doesn't like it. You say that, that they reduce men to the level of beasts. Well, they're slaves. So okay. they're, they're chained, they're shackled together and Anesin's like wielding a whip over them, mm -hmm. you know, carrying armloads of stones, squared off stones. And one of them drops one on his foot and howls and Garion sees that he has had his tongue cut out. Yeah. That reminds me of the Hunger Games, like when they are the, I forget the name of the, um, but they would cut their tongues out and they couldn't speak and they became the servants to the, the what do you call them? They're like the champions, not champions, but the, they oh, were participating in the I've games. I've only seen the first, um, oh, it's not in the movie. I haven't, I haven't read the, the books. Yeah, it's only in the books. They don't put Are they good, the, the books? Mm -hmm. They're all good. Okay, cool. I'll put it on um, my list. Yeah, it just reminds me of that. And so, yeah. That, it is. It's just that kind of icky feeling, you know, of, yeah. of seeing something like that. I can imagine. I've tried to imagine a number of times, like, different stories where someone's had their tongue cut out. I can't imagine the sound that people make mm. or how it looks like if they were to open their mouth first to look into their mouth I can't imagine what it would look like I, just, I can't form that picture in my mind because mm. the tongue is an interesting muscle it's a lot bigger than you think it is like it's a really long muscle yeah. <laughs> I just made you shudder <laughs> I could just feel like the uh someone yeah. taking my tongue out of my mouth <laughs> So everyone has like the men shave their heads, like all completely bald. And I don't know if it says the women, the woman had a shaved head, but I don't know, but definitely the men and all of them wear elaborate makeup on their eyes mm -hmm. and have their right. lips and cheeks rouged. Now this, I almost put it for my magic because there's got to be some magical shit in that makeup that it doesn't just sweat off their freaking faces immediately. <laughs> Cause I am familiar with this kind of climate. You cannot put makeup on unless you are in an air conditioned space. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but that's true. So Every yeah, maybe time. it is, maybe it's waterproof. Maybe they have waterproof makeup. <laughs> so it's interesting that I've noted every single time I've read it since I was 18 years old, well, before I read before I was 18, I've gone, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that must be like, because that's the climate that I grew up in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, he's the author's a man. He probably never put on makeup before in the heat to know what would happen, you know? <laughs> little details, hon, little details. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, Mandarin's. Like Sorry, go. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I like that after he asks about, you know, why has the cesspool not been cleansed? Yeah, but Mandarin, he's just uh, furious. He's so angry. So I like that little story of, of Beric tells him mm -hmm. that just after the Naisins assassinated the Raven King, the Aelorns came, killed every Naisin they could find. Yeah. Um, so the Mandrellan's wondering why they don't seem like they've been diminished. And 
it's been 1300 years yeah so um that's plenty of time for them to reestablish. it's interesting like the way that the um the way the alorns all talk about that period it's like it could have happened yesterday the wounds and the the those feelings are as fresh now as they were then Mm -hmm. that is interesting to hold on to the story long time to hold a grudge Mm -hmm. so then this is the next part that i think is one of your favorites so i'll (laughs) let you talk about it (laughs) oh yeah yeah so i talk about later so um so all of a sudden Dernick gasps and blushes because there's a woman who steps down off a litter and she's wearing a gown so flimsy that she may as well not be wearing a gown and you can imagine the humidity like is everything's a bit clingy and she's pretty well naked like there's naked going on under that very sheer piece of fabric and Uh so he's just horrified and thinks she's just a wicked wicked woman and um Arpol's actually kind of like, oh, she's so matter of fact. Oh, oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Maybe we should mm-hmm. have left Gary and, and Danik behind. Like, because <laughs> Danik's such an innocent. It's quite beautiful. And Garion's just like curious. It doesn't, it's, he's not written as embarrassed or offended in any way. He's just, he seems curious. And I don't, I mean, I'd, he wants to hear, he sort of just asks why is she dressed like that? And Aunt Paul sort of flicks it away with, oh, it's just the custom has to do with the climate. And there are other reasons, but you know, we won't, you don't need to go into all of that. And he's, she says all nurse and women dress, dress that way. So as we find out, drugs are prevalent in NASA. It's mm-hmm. their thing. They don't drink a lot, but they take a lot of other substances to alter yeah. their reality and their perceptions. And so I don't want to give anything away here. So maybe we'll revisit it if it comes, comes up. But I think the, if this is the case, all the nurse and women dress this way, they're trying to emulate someone they admire mm. by behaving the way that this person they admire does. And so that's what I think she is referring to. Oh, okay. And um, the other the other reasons I think are other ways that the they might try to emulate this other person, which would involve bits of people having no clothes on. I imagine. <clears throat> so. Uh, and of course, Barak and Grildick are just like loving it and appreciating the hell out of um, this naked woman. Yeah. And then they start like observing the. Uh, they see a nurse. They, they see a dude leaning against a wall, staring at his hand and giggling, mm-hmm. <laughs> and saying like, oh, "I can see right through my fingers, yeah. <laughs> right through them." And um, that's when um, Paul sort of uh, explains that now he's not drunk, he's high on something. 
Maybe. Yeah, that seems to be more like a high thing than a oh. drunk thing. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. I've never seen somebody drunk just like no. amazed that they can see through their hand. No, that's not the. Um, oh, that's not the. That's not the way that alcohol works. No. <laughs> <laughs> it dulls your senses, doesn't heighten much of anything. Yeah. And makes you um, sleepy. Makes you sleepy, yeah. And so, and then, and then another Nissan sort of goes by and he's all jerky and with a blank expression, um, Paul says she's never met a Nissan who wasn't at least partially drugged. (laughs) So yeah, it's pretty everywhere. The interesting, the thing that I find interesting about this as well is they don't seem to observe any children. Mm. Like there's no mention of children. And I wonder where the children are. I would imagine that they're probably being used in the city for something. Oh, that's an interesting observation. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's interesting. Going Game of Thrones style, you know? Don't know like anything the, about that story. The, just the, you know, the offspring of these people, they probably don't have a choice. They have to give them off to be used as workers or slaves or whatever. Well, the slaves are people from other countries that don't enslave their own people. Yeah, it could be. Um, and if all know, the parents are drugged, what the hell is happening with the children? I don't know. Maybe they're being tested. I've never thought about <laughs> this before. Where are the children? Listeners, any thoughts? My best guess would be that they're being taken, or the people are so drugged they don't even care that this. Well, yeah, they must take some. Yeah, and uses them for whatever selfish purpose to accomplish something. Oh. Yeah, it's a very, so it's a very, you know, we were describing the jungle as infected. It's a very nasty kind of evil place. So I can imagine there's lots of nasty evil things going on. Yeah. There. Maybe they just don't survive. Well, if they didn't, there'd be no adults. I mean, maybe. So there must be some sort of, I don't know, maybe there's a, the black magic they use and stuff who knows well it doesn't send us any magic but anyway that's I, that's just a thought i had where are the children and then they get to um Droblik's house and go inside and it's all hot and blur and they talk to him and did you want did did we were, were you kind of disinterested by the time this came I mean, yeah, I mean, I didn't see too much point to all of this conversation, except that he recognizes Aunt Paul and they they find out Mr. Wolf and Silk haven't sent any word yet. And also, so they get in and they start talking like uh, they're keeping their um, personas and then Droblek uses the secret language, like he gestures and asks them, you know, basically if they can talk out loud. And Aunt Paul, she, she knows the secret language too, but she speaks in a more formal kind of sense that her movements are a bit more formal. So that was like interesting. She says she learned it a long time ago. That's why her accent is a little strange. Droblek's like, yes, of course, I know who Radek of Boktor really is. And, you know, sometimes he's Amber of Kotu when he doesn't, when he wants to have dealings that are not 
strictly legitimate. So that's the difference between Radek and Ambar. Radek is a respectable <laughs> businessman. Ambar mm-hmm. is a bit of a dodgy dude. But it's, they're both silk. Right. And so they sort of get down to, um, down to brass tacks. And he hasn't heard from Prince Keldar or, or Belgarath. And that's about it. And they decide they're going to, they'll wait until they hear from them because this is where they're supposed to meet them, either meet them or get a message. And he offers the use of the house and uh, Paul says, no, it's probably safer on the ship. I mean, and as you can imagine, where are the children? Yeah, I think it probably is safer on the ship. <laughs> Especially since they have a child that they even though he's well, two well, children. Two even. Mm-hmm. anyway so um and that, so they'll go back and he's like yep better wait till the rain stops because <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. thumping down now every afternoon it rains and one of the oh. is it hetas what i was just thinking like what is it raining it's not water <laughs> what if it was like some kind of a ew <laughs> poisonous liquid that was destroying all the foliage making it turn different colors oh my goodness (laughs) well anyway it's raining very hard and then they just sort of hang around until the rain stops and it's sort of it's still they just sort of sit quietly and listen to the rain but there is a funny little um anecdote in here that um droblek tells them about the messengers he says like you know messengers go astray here all the time (laughs) they're very unreliable (laughs) um in this place and um he talks about one of his messengers he sent a message like not even 10 leagues from here and he found the messenger six months later (laughs) he'd found a certain berry patch he was sitting in the middle of it smiling he had moss growing on him i just love that he was very happy (laughs) that's funny uh so yeah because then it goes dead like he found we found him sitting in the middle of a of a berry patch smiling dead says Denik no just very happy <laughs> <laughs> like that he's just living his life as he just wants to living his best life in the berry patch <laughs> that's funny yeah and that's the yeah, end so that's that's the chapter oh <sighs> I felt I just thought of a hashtag I wrote okay so now we go into Magic. What's your magic for the chapter? I put the author's descriptions of of the surroundings. To me, was really magical because, you know, it's not easy. I know it's not easy to describe a setting like that. And I thought it was really well done. So. Well, fantastic. (laughs) So my magic, (laughs) my magic is the powerful, well, it's a powerful magic. Um, Exposed human form deliberately displayed in ways to shock and tantalize the woman that steps off the litter. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, it appears to be a cultural thing here, but you know, it seems very um, deliberate. The, it doesn't have to be a sheer garment, it doesn't have to be right. a see through. It's, it's a very deliberate act. And um, it feels like it's for a purpose. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a powerful magic in that. Yeah. I feel like you know of a purpose that I don't know of yet, and you can't say it. <laughs> no, I'm actually thinking about my life. Thinking about my life. Living my life. <laughs> living my best life in the berry patch. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's your magic. How about then, why don't you just go into sharing your real personal insight? Okay, am I real life relating? So um, it's been a few, it's been a few episodes since I reminded everyone, but the reason that we put uh, magic and real life relating next to each other is because of the magic of reality. You know, I write magical realism. Alicia writes fantasy, which is beautifully, uh, is full of magic and magical realism and life. Just the fact that every day we go through our lives doing just normal things that are totally magic. And that's the whole sort of point of this podcast and the conversations that we have and how we tie them into the things we read and the things we do and the, the magic that we feel in all of it. Um, so it's very deliberately done magic next to real life relating. And so my real life relating is in my more shadow queen days, Mm -hmm. I admit, yeah, my name is Sandra. I am a queen, but in my more shadow queen days, I use my body to gain power, distract, seduce, or not to, or basically to gain advantage, influence the situation in a particular way. Mm-hmm. Um, get what I wanted and it's a it's a rush and it's uh, it's the kind of magic that is completely addictive it's it's very addictive and dark yeah and um, so that seems like it's a piece of erotica but it's my real life <laughs> um, and it wasn't always a sexual kind of thing it was like in business mm-hmm the way and it, and using my body doesn't necessarily mean stripping naked and doing you know right. a shimmy it was about holding myself in a certain way dressing a certain way mm-hmm. um posing my body in particular postures yeah um speaking in a particular way mm-hmm combined with all of those things to get what I wanted. Yeah. I think that it's common, you know, for a woman to go through a phase like that in her life. And I think it's also um, almost, it's almost imposed on women in some aspects, depending on where you're at or what, what kind of life you're in. But because the, it's almost like we're expected to be that way anyways. There's no almost about it, sweetheart. This is how the patriarchy works. This is the role mm-hmm. we're casting. And so in order to be powerful, we use the ways that we are granted as acceptable to be powerful until we learn healthier ways to be mm-hmm. powerful, which is just being ourselves and claiming space and taking up the space that we yeah. have previously been told is not ours for the taking. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. I never went through that phase, but, you know, I've known my friends and and family members who have, so I Mm -hmm. definitely 
I've definitely seen it up close and I understand, you know. Yep. So unconscious or conscious. Yeah. My um really relating, I I was, you know, I just relate to that heat, like you were saying. Mm. Um, it wasn't moist heat though, because it was it's my family lives in the desert. And so I'd go I haven't recently before I had kids, I'd go visit a lot, my cousins and stuff. And I remember being there when it was like 125 to 130 degrees. I don't know what that is in Celsius, but it was it was like I'm just gonna mm, look it up real quick because I need to get it in my head. So it was 130 Fahrenheit, yeah. 130 Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. That's like 54 degrees. That's fucking hot. Dude, yes, that's hot. It's, hot. it's really hot. Jinkies. You can't, you cannot survive in that town without air conditioning. No, you cannot. You, especially elderly, you know, like my grandma no. lives there. This shit will kill she, you. She's tough, but even that is too much for her. That will cook you. So I just, I relate, like I relate to that feeling of not being able to breathe because the heat is so intense. And it was just a walk from the car into a restaurant. And I'm like, I got into the restaurant. I was just like, whoa, holy crap. I couldn't breathe. I could not. And he's like, yep, that's my life. I'm like, that's awful. Why would you live here? (laughs) I know, right? move? Move away. You don't have to stay. Well, I mean, I say that I... I know I understand the tropical heat because I've been to North Queensland, but I was actually born in central Queensland, which is the red, the red, like there's it's red dirt desert out there mm. in central Queensland. Yeah. But it, it's not that hot, but you know what? It's hot enough. It's like, it gets into the forties regularly, which so, is, I don't know. What's that? Let me see. 104. Uh-huh. Yeah. It gets to like 104 here in the summer. Yeah. San Diego, you wouldn't believe it, but I don't want I like it here in the Netherlands. It's like what's the weather today? Let me tell you what the weather is today. It doesn't probably get that hot there, right? Well, it you know, no. Today it's today it's six degrees. It's lovely. It's six degrees right now, which is (laughs) let me tell you what that is. To me that means forty two point eight. Oh Lord, that that's still too cold for me. If it's forty-two here, like this morning, it was thirty-five degrees, and I'm driving my kids to school, and I'm like, "This is too cold." And I'm just thinking about when I'm going to be in the mountains. It's be a few days. I remember last, last camp, you had ice and stuff it's like snow. It was snow. Yeah, I don't think there'll be snow this time though. Ah, oh, so there we go. Heat and and sensuality, my darling. This is our <laughs> real life. Welcome to our lives. So, prophecy speaks. there's lots of airplanes today okay we're probably gonna get on the recording okay so my oh excuse me sorry about that oh so before we get into our prophecy speaks if you are one of paul gara's flock 
please remember one of our the you know our, our patrons uh Gary's gang Polgaris flock and silk selection if you are in Polgaris flock or silk selection you can submit a question to prophecy speaks and we'll do a reading for you you get to do that so that's pretty cool um, but this week for Prophecy Speaks, my question is, I, you know, we're, the seasons are sort of shifting and changing here. We're coming into um, the first stirrings of growth, the first stirrings of spring. And I just feel like my bones just want to be bare. Like, you know, when you get that serious nesting, you just want to clean everything down to mm. like scrub it. I feel like yeah. that in me. <laughs> I just want to, oh. I feel my bones, they just want to be stripped bare. And so it's like a, there's a fear there. And so I want to know what I need to let go of and what is underpinning that fear of releasing whatever it is that I want to release. I feel like it's connected. It's interesting that my voice is going and I'm coughing a lot. I feel like it's connected to voice, something to do with my voice. Um, you know, we're on the brink of offering narration services officially, and that's mm -hmm. going on in my director mind uh, for my company at the moment. I'm doing a lot of vocal recording for this course that I'm um, presenting at the moment as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm a talker, I, I can talk your ear off with no problem. <laughs> But all of a sudden I've got this, like, I get choked up. It's mm -hmm. like this buildup of energy here that just grips my throat. And I think I've talked about it before, but I can't remember if I've done prophecy on it. There was something. I can't remember the specifics of it, but I remember it was throat related mm. with you. Mm. And I don't so know anyway. if it was in prophecy or we just talked about it. Oh, Okay. So that's my, you know, what is it? Like I feel this call to strip everything back, to strip. And so some, like what we were talking about before with you for the, like to empty out so that you can start to fill up. So I'm at that. I, I want to empty out, but it's like something, it's like a tantal, like a fear there that, I, like I, it's so scary. I don't even want to look at it kind of fear. Mm. So that's sort of, okay. does that make sense? Have I framed it well enough? Yeah. Excuse me. All right. So the book I'm using today is called The Mistress of Spices. It's a magical realism book, which I loved. Um, it's by Chitra Banerjee Divakaruni. I have no idea if I'm saying your name right, sweetheart, but it's a beautiful name. Uh, all right. Harun flinches from it. Red rises high on his cheeks. His voice is formal with hurt. I only spoke my concern, but I see I stepped too far. I shake my head, <laughs> exasperated. Harun, I didn't mean it like that. No, no, what, I, what, what right have I, a poor man, a taxi driver, to advise you, lady? <laughs> Don't go. In a few minutes, I'll get your packet done. He pushes the door open on a long creek. Don't trouble yourself on my account. I'm only a Kala army after all. Not a white like him. I know I shouldn't, but 
Haroon, you're acting like a child, I snap. He is bowing, dignified, silhouetted against a night which opens around him like jaws. Kuda Hafiz, I bid you farewell. The mullah will have started the service already and I must not be any more late. The door click closes behind him. Such a quiet final sound before I can say back to him, Kuda Hafiz, Allah's protection on your head. I feel dizzy. Something big here. Oh, it's so real. Yeah, I got very emotional. Okay, so I have I have had experiences in my life where when I spoke up from a place of my truth to people I cared about, it blew up completely in my face. It was completely rebuffed. I was accused of like it, it destroyed relationships and I lost a really like well, she was almost my cousin who was like my best friend he lived with us for a while and other times when I've tried to speak up and been squashed or told I'm overreacting or I don't have a sense of humor or every time that you know, I was told I wasn't good enough or um, you don't know what you're talking about or prove it or justify it or tell us why, you know, explain. I didn't realise that was still so present. I didn't realise it was still so present. But all of a sudden, I feel just a tiny little release here. And I want to have a big cry. <laughs> so how, how is the passage? How did it bring that up for you? So where, um, where he flinches mm -hmm. at right at the start and is embarrassed. He's just mortified and hurt and becomes very formal and withdrawn, which mm -hmm. is what I do, withdraw, disconnect, yeah. get very proper and formal mm -hmm. because I can't be me anymore. Yeah. And, um, you know, I went too far. Sorry, I went okay. too far. Mm -hmm. You know, what right have I? What if what right have I? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Goodbye. Farewell. I'll just remove myself. I'll just remove myself. So you don't have to suffer me anymore. Yeah. That's um a lot to unleash from one little passage, you know? And yeah. yeah, I think obviously, and I, I understand because I, like everything that you are experiencing right now is actually 
a place where I'm physically at feeling right now, that I am that person who can't express who I really am or what I really need. Because of that exact reason, I'm terrified of what it's gonna result in. And so I think that, you know, this, like I, in my mind, I have ideas and I could be wrong of like what you're referring to. But I think that the fact that it's still, you know, it still comes up in you like that is probably what's wanting to release, obviously. Yeah. I mean, you figured that out so that you can be completely freed from that story, from that place and those people and their stories, because all, all of it is, is just their own yeah. stories that don't mean, like we say, that doesn't mean anything. And um, yeah. Like to be completely honest, I, there are three, well, three people who come up mm-hmm. one multiple times, multiple, multiple, multiple times. But the number of people for whom this is totally not their experience of me, and I've been speaking my truth, yeah, far outnumbers them. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's because these people, whoever these three people are, are probably people who were at one point extremely important in your life, you know? And uh, um, yeah. I've just got that feeling. I get a feeling, it's weird, I get a feeling in my jaw, like my jaw disconnects and it feels too heavy for my face. Mm. Uh, like I'm chewing on energy when something's shifting mm-hmm. so i think i'm on i'm onto something yeah so now you have you know what the answer is of what you need to release and isn't it interesting that there's all this stuff going on with my jaw at the moment mm-hmm. as well yeah yeah the physical like we were just saying your body physically will start to react to get you to release mm-hmm. You know, and for you, it's all connected to the voice and the throat and the jaw. Mm. Interesting. All right. Great. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad that you're able to release a little bit right now. Yeah. Um, mine is actually a little bit similar, but it's, it was, my question is prompted by this like I mentioned this podcast I was listening to this morning about the man who was talking about his physical and his was a throat thing too. It was a, or a chest, like having trouble breathing. Um, But he was talking about, you know, we all have structure, internal structures that are tied to thoughts and emotions. And a lot of times we aren't even aware that we have this structure there in place we're unconscious that's even there but it's that exact structure that we have to let go of in order to you know be our true self to express our voice to make the change we want to to make within ourselves and uh, in the external world so my question is i know i have these internal structures in place but i don't know what they are so i want some guidance to figure out what they are whether thoughts or emotions or both. 
that are blocking me right now. And I'm using Caraval by Stephanie Garber. It's a fantasy book I've used before. So I'll see what I get. Oh, it's the beginning of a chapter. Scarlet woke up covered in cold sweat. It drenched her hairline and the space underneath her knees. She knew it was only a dream, but for a moment she wondered if the magic of Caraval, if legend's magic, had somehow sneaked into her thoughts. Or maybe the dream was made of her thoughts. Twice she'd been told these experiences were all just a game, yet she was behaving as if everything were real. As if her every action would be discovered and judged and punished. Mm -hmm. um, and then this is like a thought. She's thinking, I didn't invite you here so you could watch. Scarlet wasn't even doing that though. Yesterday she'd been, she'd seen incredible things, but the entire time she'd been controlled by fear, she reminded herself her father wasn't there. And if she were only going to stay for one night, she would regret it later if she spent the entire time too frightened to enjoy anything. Okay. There are several there. Do you want to keep going? No, I'm stopping right there. Okay. So <laughs> I was just talking to somebody about this this morning of, where did it say that? Hmm. Now I've lost where I said that. About, um, oh, right here. Is as if her every action would be discovered and judged and punished. Yep. Uh, I was just telling somebody this morning that I don't post anything about, well, I haven't in a while. Not so much about my writing. I would post my, on my Facebook profile. I would post about my writing, but I would never post any business-related stuff with me as a coach or a teacher mm -hmm. because I didn't want to be discovered and judged and punished by mm -hmm. specific, specific people on there mm -hmm. who friended me that I actually went in through it and friended all of them right now just because I have their contacts, I don't need them on Facebook mm -hmm. to be in contact with them. There's no need for them to be in what I'm doing if they're not gonna be supportive. Mm -hmm. And my stuff's not for them. Mm -hmm. So there was no need for them to be there. So there's that. And then I did, I posted something related to what I'm doing on my Facebook profile for the first time in a year or more. Um, and that's just, I mean, that's just social. So media. you are, it's... you are aware of that and you're doing something about it. Mm -hmm. Even though you thought so, you weren't. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was just this morning, I think. There are a couple more in but, there. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, that she, okay. She knew it was only a dream, but for a moment she wondered if the magic of Caraval had somehow sneaked into her thoughts, or maybe the dream was made of her thoughts. 
twice she had told these experience, she had been told the experience at all, just a game, yet she was behaving as if they were real, mm-hmm. was one of them for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and that's pretty obvious. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I know, like, the, the, how this is connected to what structures I'm holding up is what I'm trying to get at. Mm-hmm. How does that so, fit into your parental from your parents structures that you've you're carrying through from mm. your childhood how does that feed into dad um i mean my my dad is really closed off to anything so would he have thought things were just imaginary airy fairy no he can't even sit and watch harry potter it's too much for him so that's what i'm that's what i'm saying the 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 statement there my dreams are real statement Mm. and then a little bit further on there's something about a father she reminded herself her father wasn't there and if she were only going to stay for one night she would regret it later if she spent the entire time too frightened to enjoy anything there we go that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Can you see where it's I'm going? I, I I wouldn't have ever considered my dad in any of this. Well, it's just something to think about. The, the, yeah. his, his attitude towards things which are not real and perfect fantasy. And when you, when your work is very esoteric as it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm perhaps the thought that my dad won't think this is worth anything or won't value this. And so I won't have his approval. But if you're going to be in this anyway, dad's not here anymore. You can do it. Yeah. I think the father figure too, just represents everyone in my life. Like my dad, he's super supporting of my writing. He knows I write fantasy. Oh, totally. Totally. He supports that. Although he, I don't think he's actually read my books, but he's well, just I'm, super happy that I'm, I'm writing. Cause that was I'm, always a dream of his. I'm not. Okay. Well, I'm not, I'm not thinking, I'm not trying to say he doesn't support you, but somewhere in there, you're looking for the internal structure mm-hmm. that you're not aware yeah. of. Yeah. And it is <laughs> highly right. possible that this is a, some sort of imprint in there on your little girl self. Mm-hmm that you're still carrying and you don't know it. Yeah. I think so. And it's, it's also the structures that structure with both of my parents really. Mm. Um, And then the one of, um, you know, and this is something I think all children go through, but I went through it intensely because I wouldn't speak. I didn't use my voice at school. Yes. And so, um, now that I'm trying to go out into the world and use my voice, like I said on Facebook, I instantly went into that. And I'll say it was mostly the other moms at the school who are my peers. Mm. And it's school, you know, like when I was in school and I hated being always judged and left out. Yep. Yep. It's that same thing coming up again as I'm trying to just express who I am. Yep. So. I think it's that, yeah, that with um, 
some of the stuff from my parents and even like yeah here <laughs> yeah um is that helpful yeah. yeah it is i'm gonna write those down so i can maybe do some journaling on it a little bit okay. and mark this page so i can reread it and remember yeah. what we talked about. yeah do yeah okay cool cool <laughs> I realized that last week we totally forgot the prediction. So I put your notes, I put your notes from the sheet into the show notes. <laughs> like I said something last chat, last episode that was like totally wrong. I called someone by the wrong name. And then when we were talking about Garion's shaving um, experience, uh -huh. I says, I said, oh, I wish Silk had said something completely overlooking the fact that Silk wasn't fucking there. He's off somewhere with Belgrade. So I put a little disclaimer in the show notes because I'm like, oh, Sandra. <laughs> Duh. So, yeah. So last week we forgot the predictions. So I know this is a long chapter, but give us your prediction. Okay. A long episode. Long episode, I meant. It's um, they will hear news from Wolf, but it won't be good news. Uh, maybe it's that they're held up. Something bad has happened to Silk or Wolf and you know maybe wolf has to go do some saving and the gang who's hanging out in naisa is going to have some trouble with the locals i think okay very good all right so everyone we're at the end of the episode thank you very much for spending time with us if you have any questions or comments you can hit us up with the hashtag #happyberries. <laughs> 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 yeah i think we could all use some happy berries right now so, happy berry. <laughs> about this episode specifically or you just you know sprinkle it around in the conversation and you can send us emails to belgarianbeyond at gmail.com and you'll find all the extended show notes and links to all the things on our website belgarianandbeyond.goddesskindle.com and head over and check it all out and while you're there you can sign up for our mailing list so you don't miss out on any episodes and if there's any extra stuff happening you get to hear about it first and um, you can leave a voice message for us now uh, there'll be a link in the show notes to take you uh, to the place you can do that and just let us know if you don't want your message included in the show that would be great we're on facebook and instagram at belgarid and beyond and um, this episode was kindly brought to you by alicia's masterclass the internal journey of a writer. And she's going to tell you a little bit about that right now. Yeah. Uh, so this masterclass is something I'm, I'm hosting next week. And I decided to do it because I wrote the book on this topic um, last year. And it was really like the transformational point for me as a writer, writing this book, because what I realized I was doing was the words, I think I've said this before on this show, but the words were just flowing through me and I was not, I was not fully, you know, with my mind creating the story. It was like, there was a spiritual guide with me saying like, this is what the world needs. And I, I wanted to share this masterclass because as I was putting the curriculum together, using my book, 
And I was reading some of the passages and, and I was thinking like, there's no way I wrote that. There's no way on my own, I would have created something like that, right? And so that's what this masterclass is about is to teach whether it's someone who wants to write a novel or it's someone who's looking to heal through writing on this internal journey of a writer and how you really reconnect with who you really are. And by doing that, you can heal, you know, stories that you've held on to, like as we were talking about in this episode, um, that don't yeah, serve you anymore. That's that, totally appropriate, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because that's what I've done on my writing journey. And so I just want to help others who need that too. And that's what this yep. masterclass is. Beautiful. So if you want to find out more about Alicia's masterclass, The Internal Journey of a Writer, there'll be a link in the show notes to take you straight to that. Yeah. Thanks, Alicia. Great. Okay, this has been a very That's big it. episode. I know we I know. ran long. There were some unexpected breakthroughs. Thank you for, you know what, listeners, darlings, thank you for holding this space for us. Mm-hmm. I know that we do a lot of talking about our personal style. And that's, you know, something that we do for each other here on the show. And hopefully we're starting to do for other people in our private community as well. At least that's what we offer to you anyway. Yeah. I want to just add to that, that I think by us being able to share so vulnerably and openly that whoever's listening to this, I think you know, yeah, it's about our lives, but who knows what the person listening is going through, what we share might be valuable to them, or maybe it will be the strength they need to go and be vulnerable in their life with something that's been scary. Well, I hope so. I mean, that's the whole thing, isn't it? This is the magical reality of our lives. It's speaking spells. We speak spells here every week for you, darlings. Mm -hmm. See you next week, I suppose, hey. I did it again. We don't see you next week. Speak to you next week. (laughs) Yeah, we'll be here next week. Okay. Okay.